What's up, guys? Max here back with a brand new episode of the Scuttlebutt Show. It's Wednesday out here in Okinawa, Japan, so it's Tuesday back in the United States. I hope you guys are doing well and having a great week so far. Yesterday's episode was crazy. We had that Lodo Bar episode. Oh, do you hear those jets flying in the background? Oh, I love that. They buzz right over our house out here, and it's amazing. So check it out. Today's episode is going to look a little bit different. Uh, I want to hear you guys' feedback. I'm trying some new things. Let me know if you like it. I'm uh, going to listen to some audience feedback on this one. I want to say what's up to everybody in the chat. Nuggets dropping in first. Eric in a close second. Uh, Jordan in the house. Yes, Jordan, that video was hilarious yesterday. It's definitely worth a rewatch. I showed it to my wife. Ended up watching the whole thing with her again, and it was epic. Uh, Eric, or who do I have not? Jordan, what's up? Uh, who have I not said hi to yet? Raju, um, Lucas in the house. How's everybody doing? This is great. So, my Wednesday is great, Lucas. Thank you very much. Like the links at the top left, that's only the beginning. That's not even what's new. Honestly, that's just like one little thing. When we get over to the news stories, uh, you're going to be seeing all kinds of stuff. What's up, Chris, in the chat? So, really quick, I got to... First off, about yesterday, and we'll get right into kind of what's different with the show. That Lodo Bar, oh man, that Lodo Bar story was kind of crazy, huh? Justin, what's up? I the more I thought about it, like reading up on that a little bit more. First of all, the people involved in the video were airmen. They were airmen, not soldiers. They were out there doing some training. Looks like they might have been JTACs, something like that. Um, they went on there and made a, a, a post. Actually, the ID card was taken from the female sitting at the bar who was with them. So that was her ID that was taken according to the post that one of the people involved made, kind of condemning the bar and that bartender's action. But he wasn't a bartender. He didn't actually work there. He was a friend of the family who, for some reason, decided to take it upon himself to jump behind the bar, start harassing these uh, airmen who were out there trying to have a good time. I can't get over how professionally they handled that situation. That's why it totally makes sense if they were Air Force. So I got to give it up to them. Great job. Excellent job. Thanks for everybody who's been coming by the game streams, too. I picked up Arma 3 yesterday, so we might be streaming Arma 3 today as I try to figure that game out. So I hope you guys are excited to keep doing gaming stuff. And uh, one more thing about yesterday, that Iran story, the Iran firing, the U.S. firing warning shots over at a boat of, in Iran, a video, the Navy posted a video today about that on defense uh, blog, and I'm going to show you guys that really quick. So let's jump over to the news tab. And when I go over to the news tab, you guys are going to kind of start to see what's looking different on the show. And I do, like I said, want your feedback Hopefully constructive. If you like it, if you don't like it, if you don't like it, let me hear some constructive feedback. So let's go check this out. So we've got a news article over here from defenseblog.com. And in it, they have this video of what happened in the uh, Gulf. So let's check it out. Let's play this video really quick and see what's going on. So you've got, that's the Iranian ship right there, I believe is what we're looking at surrounded by ships look at all those ships at sea look at all those ships aircraft it's such a badass feeling to be in a surrounded by a fleet of ships i'm telling you guys there's nothing like it in the world to be in a in a, a surrounded by a strike group i wonder who posted this videos by nav central public affairs so you got the helo flying over where's justin at the Hilo doing some little, uh, you know, surveillance over there, seeing what's going on with the ship. And you can see him kind of closing in. Gamer with guns in the chat. What's up?
So you can see how kind of close things got. Wow. That's intense. So obviously, wait, what, what, I don't know exactly, you know, what we're looking at here, what every ship is that we're seeing here. It says they put out verbal and acoustic warnings, but when none of those were listened to, they fired the warning shots. Now, the warning shots aren't actually in that video, unfortunately, so what we do have is a little bit of a gap there where we don't actually see the warning shots, but I thought that that was cool. I saw that this morning. I thought I would share it with you guys just so you can kind of see the out at sea. It's so interesting when ships start to surround each other and close in. It, you get shockingly close to other ships. Like, ships stay along like 50 feet away, so it's totally crazy. Uh, Justin says, they always treat, send the helo like we're expendable just to use the zoom on the flare. Yeah, why does the helo have to get so close? What's that going to do? I think because they were trying to, you know, talk to him too. But I don't know. They weren't talking to him in the helicopter. Obviously, they wouldn't hear anything, so I don't exactly know what the deal with that is. Nugget says, about to hit these dudes with the finest taxpayer budget ever seen. Unloads 240. So... You know, the helos have those weapons mounted on the uh, gunner's windows and they train to go shoot things out of the water, you know, on land as they're strafing by. And that very likely could have happened. I don't know if they had armed weapons on that helo. I couldn't tell. I wasn't really looking for that. But if they did, that's something that the air crew might have to be prepared to do. Better yet, send the MQ-8. <laughs> so we've got a jam-packed show full of stories today and then we're going to get on with our day and probably do some of that Arma 3 gaming like I was saying. We do have some new stories to cover today too. New stories. And I just noticed one thing. I don't know if you guys noticed on the new stream setup that I had, but since I switched the news and my face, I was when I was looking at the video there, it looked like I was looking away. So I probably have to switch that around and like, you know, mirror that a little bit, but that's no big deal. I can do that. So most of you guys said you liked it or thought it was good, thought it looked fancy. So I hope you guys enjoy it. I am curious what you think. If you have, if you didn't like it, I'd love to hear why. So we're going to be doing that today and uh, and trying some new stuff. But I wanted to spi spice it up a little bit, make it a little bit more, you know, high tech, maybe a little bit more uh, dynamic. So you guys are a little, people might get pulled in a little bit more when they're cruising through the channel. They see that and they're like, better check that out. I have good news. I smoked some more of my own bacon. That's awesome, Jacob. Badass. That's pretty badass. Illiterate Brian says it looked cool. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate that. Um, so I, I, I picked this next article to cover because we've talked about this before. And I think it's kind of interesting. And I want to kind of use some of my own anecdotal experiences to kind of talk about this, which is Spaceman's in the house. What's up? So I saw this article, military virtual reality training expands to include Air Force drone pilots. And so as a drone pilot myself, I know that we've used lots of interactive software training, simulated training to fly drones. And in this particular case of flying autonomous vehicles, it's basically the same exact experience to simulate it or do it in VR as it is to just do it actual. So I think this is actually really cool. The Air Force started using virtual reality to get hunter-killer drone pilots and sensor operators up to speed at Holloman Air Force Base, New Mexico. Last month, trainees at the base began using Oculus Quest 2 headsets that allowed them to stimulate being in a drone cockpit. That's good for the, that's good for the Oculus. Charles, dude, I downloaded Armor 3 yesterday. We're going to spin that up after the show's over today, just as a heads up. Reapers made by General Atomics of San Diego can carry 3,000 pounds of ordnance and first saw combat in Afghanistan in 2007 and Iraq the following year. They, by the way, the whole military drone program was born out of the war in Iraq. Like the, the modern, the modern military drone program, the way that we use ISR all came from the war in Iraq. It was pretty much 
a necessity to create small, quick deploying armed drones that can, you know, loiter overhead for extended periods of time, providing ISR for targets over Iraq. And it ramped up the drone program substantially. That's why we have the program that we have today. It's, it's thanks to the conflict in Iraq. The VR technology, so Oculus making a lot of money with their government contracts, powering the Reaper trainees provided by Moth and Flame. Whoa, that's a cool name for a government contract company. It sounds so secretive. That sounds like such a spy company right there, does it not? Has worked with the Air Force since 2019. The company's chief operating officer, Brian Luke, Bryce Lukin, said in the telephone interview Friday, Moth and Flame uses high-definition cameras and light-detecting and ranging sensors, a.k.a. LiDAR, to scan physical environments. It can add data feeds to virtual consoles and enhance parts of the environment to make students focus on them during the training. So here's the thing about flying drones and using VR, which is kind of what I want to talk about, not necessarily this one program so much. And why I think that using virtual reality training is kind of good for future weapons, because let's say you're driving around in a Mat V, right? Let's for, even forget about drones. Driving around in a Mat V or an RG or some of these other up-armed vehicles that we have are using more modern base defense weapons, like what we call the Crow system. It's a robotic gun that is operated from inside, and you've got a controller, and you're watching a camera. And it's kind of like working a FLIR or something like that. So you, you've you know, point the camera around, you look for the target, you can laze the target and you can fire off a 50 cal, you can fire off a grenade, uh, automatic grenade launcher, you can fire off a minigun, all of this stuff robotically. Now, when you're using a robotic weapon, whether or not there's a real weapon doesn't change because the weapon is separated from you. There's distance between you and the weapon. As a result, virtual reality or video game style training exactly simulates real life. It exactly simulates it. The only thing that's not perfectly simulated is you're looking at computer-generated imagery like CGI or video game imagery instead of actual people. Otherwise, the mechanics of it, the muscle memory, the interaction with the system, exactly accurate. When we fly our drones, we do all of our training, all of our simulated training via the computer with um, virtual software environments, and it is a perfect representation of how it really works. And that's fine because that's more and more of what we're doing now, like steering ships, firing weapons, uh, targeting with drones, drones, especially, obviously they're unmanned aerial vehicles. So there's no people inside. So they can only be operated remotely. Imagine the disconnect between sitting somewhere, working an aircraft and the aircraft is a hundred miles away or a thousand miles away or something like that. It's, it doesn't matter where the aircraft is. It doesn't matter what's really going on in the sky. You're a hundred miles away. All you need to know is the system and how to work the computer. So I'm all on board with this. I think we're going to see more and more virtual reality training. We even have the, the, the virtual environment convoy training where people are driving through the streets of Iraq or something like that down an IED lane, and they're on their cruiser weapons, and they have a laser on it. And when you fire the gun, uh, pew, 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 lasers go off, and they simulate hitting targets on projection screens. It all works out perfectly. Even, I'll take it one step further, even real-world training is turned into laser tag. So you have a force and an op force or op for or opposing force. And they put all these sensors on them, on their helmets, on their body. And they put these laser attachments on their weapons. And when they pull the trigger, lasers are fired. And it can actually tell you if you've been hit and it disables your weapon and you're supposed to go, yeah, I'm dead. So you're supposed to go down and then you need medical attention. And then instructors can remotely kill you too. So all of this stuff is 
applicable to real life. And it's absolutely still good, valuable training. The only thing is it's like kind of complicated still. So it needs to get more streamlined, more, you know, simpler to interact with and incorporate into standard training stuff. And then it's going to get there in a couple of years, probably. And it's going to be great. So we're looking forward to more and more virtual training. Let's catch up on the comments here real quick. Let's see. VR used in general and one VR setup with a drone. Nice. That's awesome. You should always be getting on that VR. I've used VR in fat training. <laughs> I, uh, I, I am just, I don't know what you mean by fat, but I only know it from, uh, the, uh, street lingo for that. So you learn something every day. Thanks Max for the fact VR is fun. Hey everybody. What's up game hopes. Jacob says I'm considering getting a dual degree in artificial intelligence and robotics. Would this work for designing and making better robotic systems? I'm sure it would. I don't know that much about the degrees particularly, but I think anything in robotics, engineering, computer sciences, all that stuff is gr a great thing to get into. We should all be educating ourselves on that. Crow systems look really cool. Yes, they do look really cool. Um, beep boop, get you. Nice. Nuggets always drop into good rhymes. How disconnected will killing those with a push of a button not to get too eth ethical, but thinking if it came to mind. So, uh, we've been doing it for years. You know, honestly, there is very little difference, in my opinion, of a jet with a pilot in it firing a missile and a jet flown by a remote pilot firing a missile. I don't see a big difference. You know, I, I really don't. It's, uh, it's the, it, it's the same process of targeting the enemy. It's the same process of target, you know, development to the point where you would actually make a strike. So I don't really see any difference. I think that it's fine. Uh, the, the Intel capabilities of drones are insane. My buddy worked on a project that government contracted to develop a sensor that could be outfitted to drones to collect Intel on where people normally walk, uh, outliners, outliers indicated an area where an ID may have reasonably been placed. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, common. That's that's great tech. That's awesome technology. I've used stuff like that, and it is uh, it's fantastic if it works. I'm going into FC, and I think it's all electronic uh, firing. So I wonder if I'll get to do some CGI training, maybe even VR. Jordan, you're talking about FC in the Navy, fire controlman. Yeah, that's a pretty cool job. You're gonna be working on some really really cool weapons. Uh, quietly build myself an AI robot security force. Jacob says yes, do it. Uh, well, I probably shouldn't say do it, but yeah, cheaper to train drone pilots too. see what's up. See wild earth in the chat, my buddy, Mark. So yes, uh, it is cheaper to train drone pilots too. And you're less likely to have injuries as a drone pilot or reasons why you would be unable to fly. So your pilot force could, so if you lose a drone pilot, you always have another drone. Whereas if you lose a manned aircraft, you lose a pilot as well. So building a robotic force is, uh, there's a million reasons why it's obviously better. And if we have opposition who's doing it in a peer to peer type conflict, of course we should be doing it too. Cause we don't want to send our American, for, you know, human forces against robots. Cause every time we lose a person, you can't just build another person and train them, but you can build another robot. So it is kind of weird to think about, but we've got, we, we've covered how the uh, Marine Corps has unmanned ships now patrolling the sea completely autonomously. We've got unmanned aircraft. We've got the Boston dynamics robots dancing and doing flips. I mean, it's going to look weird. I, it's going to look weird. I was watching a Jocko podcast and somebody asked him about the ro the robot, the, the, uh, inevitable robot war. And he said, bring it on. But I don't think we would stand a chance. So let's see. VR training is great. Full 360 review face first, realistic movement. If made properly, I think it's a real great thing for the army to use as training method. I agree. Game hopes. Um, Jordan says FC Navy, pretty excited about it. that's awesome, dude. That's great. You should be excited about it. Jacob says builds unmanned mech as full body drones. I'm not saying build a robot army, but yeah, I'm not saying build a robot army, but somebody's got to do it. Um, 
You know, I love uh, an, uh, any opportunity to call out Okinawa, Japan, and I love any opportunity to call out Marines. And luckily, we've been given such an opportunity once again because they can't control themselves. Hey, bro, can you play on the 77th JSOC server when you play Arma? Uh, today, just in, really quick before I get into this article, I'm, I'm going to play Arma today, I believe. Uh, that, that's like probably most likely going to happen. I am going to be booting it up online with you guys for the very first time. I've never played it before, so I don't know what I'm going to do today. So if you guys are interested in seeing a total noob take on Arma, that's what we're going to be doing. So this story here, I don't know if you guys have jumped ahead and read it already, but this is annoying me because when I look at this, I can see that I'm like looking away from the screen. It's like kind of odd. So I have to, I can't fake it. I have to read the article. Two Marines and a sailor arrested in separate trespassing incidents at Japanese homes. What the hell? One of these is really bad. One of these is just random and one of these is really bad. So three U.S. service members were arrested on suspicion of illegally entering Japanese homes in two unrelated incidents over the weekend, one south of Tokyo and the other on Okinawa, according to Japanese police. A sailor identified as Tanner Mosley, 20, was taken into custody at 8.12 p.m. Sunday on suspicion of trespassing into a home in the Shiomidai area of Yakuska. A Kanagawa prefectural police spokeswoman said Tuesday, oh man, get ready you guys for me to butcher some language here. Government spokespeople in Japan traditionally speak to the media on condition they are not identified by name. Mosley was arrested after the home's resident, which that must have been really scary for them, called the police. No damage or injuries occurred. Okay. He said he was drunk. He's off of the USS Chancellorsville, the guided missile cruiser's home port in Yakuska. He was drunk. He didn't remember why he entered the home. He might have been confused. It doesn't say if he lived in the area or what his deal was. Obviously, you can't do that. That's a no-go right there, but it happened. Nobody was hurt. Police referred the case to prosecutors on Tuesday. The Navy is cooperating with Japanese police. Base spokesperson Randall Buckham said in an interview to, in an email to Stars and Stripes, the Navy takes all allegations involving misconduct of our sailors very seriously. Obviously, as I've covered in this show before, if people get in trouble out here in Okinawa, Japan, and they go up to see the man, they're going to get busted down. They're going to get in some kind of trouble. But worse is they might face Japanese authorities and they might go to a hard prison labor camp. And that is not the deal. That is not super legit. Meanwhile, two Marines were arrested on Okinawa. Two Marines in Okinawa. Not good. On Sunday, after allegedly entering a home in the Matsuo area of Naha City, early that morning. Naha City being the premier downtown area in Okinawa, Japan. It's right near the airport. If you've ever been to Okinawa you've, and you didn't, and you flew into a civilian airport, you flew into the Naha airport and people go down there to get drunk. But here's the thing. You're currently not even allowed to go out in Naha because of COVID restrictions. So they're already messing it up there. Now the story takes a twist right here because we've got Lance Corporal Kevin Daphne, 22 years old, assigned to Camp Hansen, and Lance and Corporal Dante Daphne, same last name, are these brothers? 20 years old. By the way, the 20-year-old outranks the 22-year-old. So the younger brother is the corporal. So not only are, are these potentially an older and younger brother, but since the ranks are reversed, when somebody gets in trouble in the military out in town, a group of people, you know who takes the fall? The highest ranking person. So now the younger brother who's outranking the older brother has to take the fall as the responsible senior Marine. These two should be totally ashamed of themselves, but it gets worse. He was They were arrested on suspicion of entering a home without justifiable reasons, the spokesman said Tuesday. They claimed to be brothers, but 
Here's where it gets really bad, and here's where I have zero sympathy for these guys. The police had stopped the Marines after receiving a report of a suspected accident with loud noise and foreigners changing tires on the street in the Makishi area of the city around 1.49 a.m. 1.49 in the morning, a car accident, a tire change, and they run from the police. Anybody want to take a guess of what they were doing prior when that accident happened? Anybody, anybody drop it in the chat. What do you think that they were doing when that car crashed? Do you think that they were on their way to church? Do you think that they were on their way to duty? Just being good duty drivers. Got to, got to get back before midnight. Cause we got to pick up some more Marines to make sure everyone gets home safe. Hmm. I don't know. How about drinking and driving? How about drinking and driving? No question. Jacob called it. So there is zero doubt. There should be zero doubt in anybody's mind that this was a case of drinking and driving. Obviously, here's the problem. What I know about drinking and driving in the United States, I don't know if this you know, applies in Japan, but from a law enforcement officer, I was told that if you ever get into a DUI accident, right, and you are by yourself and there's nobody else involved, you could probably avoid the DUI. Hey, I got a stream notice here. Okay, here we go. So I was told if you're ever in a DUI accident, there's no other cars involved. There's no other people involved. You can avoid the DUI by just saying you started drinking after the accident. Yeah, I was in a car accident. I was super stressed out. So I started to drink. Car was already crashed on the side of the road. So if you've, if you've, if you've moved from the scene of the accident, then you can actually maybe avoid the DUI just by saying you started drinking after the accident. That's the problem with this case right here. I hope they're not watching the Scuttlebutt show because I just might be giving them advice that, that they don't need right now because I think that if you're drinking and driving and you crash and then you run into somebody's house, I don't have a lot of sympathy for whatever happens to you. So Marine Corps Installation Pacific Spokesman Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Hilton in an emailed statement Tuesday confirmed that the two Marines had been arrested by Japanese police. The Marine Corps takes all allegations of misconduct very seriously and we are cooperating fully with local authorities, the statement said. The vast majority of Marines follow orders and regulations, uphold our core values, and treat each other with dignity and respect. Those who fail to do so are held accountable. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. So that's not very good. Those dudes are, uh, the Doftons are going to be in trouble. I'll have to be looking out for the blotter out here in Okinawa to see if, what's going on with the Doftons. So let's see what's going on in the chat. There, uh, let's see. We'll be over here uh, reducing our numbers due to robotic resources. Come on, Marines. I want to visit Oki and y'all keep Blue Falcon in me. Yeah, Jacob, no doubt. I don't know if you meant to do this, but the audio gets quiet when you do the new transition. Oh, interesting. I hate trespassers, Nugget says. He was looking for Jody. Thanks for the heads up, uh, Jordan. That, that's the kind of feedback I need. He was looking for Jody, maybe. Damn, not super legit. Isn't this the way to represent the USMC? Damn, he done messed up. Damn, I've done crap as a kid, but I wouldn't do this. Drunk driving, obviously, Jacob says. Yeah, he called it. I'm sure those Marines were not drinking at all whilst driving. That makes no sense. Wait, they were? I never saw it coming. That's what a DA in Santa Barbara after crashing into a phone pole. That's what the DA in Santa Barbara did after crashing into a phone pole? Let's see. What's worse is if the corporal was drinking underage. It just it just keeps going. Max, the injury defense lawyer. Yeah, don't call me. Maybe racing and drifting. Too many folks doing that late at night with no respect to other road users. Yeah, Sea Wild Earth called it. So out here in Okinawa, all these people have their sports cars. All these Americans have their sports cars, and they love to drive them like total assholes. People out here love to get their sports cars and then drive them like crazy people, and I hate it. I hate aggressive 
uh, dangerous, reckless drivers. It's so dangerous. Like, it's so dangerous. Haven't you ever seen a car accident? You can get really hurt. People are out there cutting each other off, swerving in and out of traffic, speeding up, running red lights on a regular basis, swerving around potholes. It's horrible. I actually really hate it. Nugget says, looks like they used a Boston robot too much, like I said earlier. Yeah. So all kinds of bad stuff going on there. Not good. Not good at all. So I do not like that. I'm not, I'm not a supporter of that. Hey guys, hang on one second. We got to take a second here to plug a couple things. One is, as you guys know, Patreon is open for business linked in the description down below. If you join Patreon at the elite tier on your second month, I'm going to send you a free t-shirt. People out there in the chat right now should be getting t-shirts any day. Uh, and it's a great way to support the channel, and it comes with other benefits too, including at any tier of Patreon, you get a discount to our online store, which has items like, for example, the, o the Okinawa ramen t-shirt. So you can get this Okinawa ramen t-shirt. It says Okinawa here on the front. It says Okinawa in Japanese there with a shish dog on the front. And on the back, it's got a custom-designed bowl of ramen. So if you've ever been to Okinawa or you like ramen and you want to support the Scuttlebutt Show, you can get this nice fitted athletic cut v-neck shirt on the scuttlebutt show and if you join patreon first you can get it on a discount so all that and more at scuttlebuttshow.com so if you're looking for merch and a great way to support the channel scuttlebuttshow.com linked in the description down below you can see it on the uh links right here it's the one on, right above my finger and you can go check those out so all that and more at scuttlebuttshow.com more merch uh to come soon as well and if there's a specific piece of merch that you want to see, if you join the elite tier of Patreon, I'll customize any piece of merch for you any way that you want within reason. Okay. I reserve the right to deny some crazy stuff, but I'll pretty much customize your merch any way that you'd like if you join as an elite tier patron. So we've got yet another story here, yet another story of the army. The army is... I mean, this didn't just happen, but the army has got to stop killing one another. What is the deal? I don't understand what the, what, what the problem is with the army and that they cannot stop. They just can't stop. Soldier's medal awarded to army captain who subdued a soldier stabbing his own wife. He subdued a soldier who was in the process of stabbing his own wife. An army captain who pulled knife-wielding attacker off of his victim wishes he could have done more. Though his actions earned him the army's highest medal for acts of non-combat bravery. Major General Patrick Donahoe presented the Soldier's Medal to Captain Christopher Long on Friday at Fort Benning, Georgia, in recognition of his selflessness and valor in stopping the attack, the army said in a statement. The fatal assault happened on April 6, 2019, the night of a welcome home celebration for deployed troops returning to Fort Bliss, Texas. Sergeant Amy Colbert, who had recently come home from Kuwait, was stabbed by her husband, Sergeant Lance Colbert, who had been lying in wait, wearing a disguise. So not only is this, is this murder and... You know, it, and, and then we had to have this guy jump in as a hero to try to stop it. But it's domestic violence too. domestic violence being a threat that so many people face and have to deal with. And it's absolutely horrible. And victims of domestic violence need to reach out sooner or express their fears. And then if they do, people need to take those seriously. A big problem that the army has had. And we talked about it yesterday. It says here, he pulled out a big 13 inch hunting blade hidden in his pants I would have not written it that way, Long said. He went for his wife. I got there as fast as I could, ripped him off her, and took him to the ground, 
That's what the uh, the guy, the captain who's, who uh, tried to save the woman said. It was an instinctive reaction resulting from his training, Long said in the statement. He held Lance, Cor- uh, Lance Colbert until military police arrived. You see here on the screen, if you listen on the podcast, you won't see this, but you see on the screen a photo of Staff Sergeant Amy Colbert, who was killed by her husband, Sergeant Lance Colbert. April 6, 2019 at Fort Bliss, Captain Chris Long was awarded the Soldier's Medal for saving her. She's standing in front of an American flag and a unit flag, and she was killed shortly at a welcome home party for coming home from her deployment to Kuwait. Long then assessed Amy Colbert's wounds and notified the William Beaumont Army Medical Center emergency room that she'd been stabbed multiple times. Medical experts believe his quick response prevented her from bleeding out of the scene. So he was able to give her enough immediate aid that she was able to get to the hospital. And so bravo Zulu to him for that. But unfortunately, the 27-year-old died of her wounds later that night, leaving Long regretting that he didn't reach her sooner which is horrible for him because he did something that took incredible bravery, selflessness, uh, threw himself right on top of a guy who had a machete and was stabbing his wife to death. (sighs) Crazy. Had I known he had the knife, she would be alive, Long said. It's tough because I wish I would have been there fast enough to save Sergeant Colbert, but I wasn't. Our kids are without a parent. Are our kids without both parents? Is he the father of her kids? I deal with that all the time. I wish I'd been a little faster. Amy Colbert of Winnemucca, Nevada, was a mother of two girls, said her obituary, which was published under her maiden name of Contreras. She was also survived by her parents and two brothers. She enlisted in February 2011 as a heavy vehicle operator and previously deployed to Afghanistan. She was serving as a chemical equipment op- repairer with the 142nd Combat Sustainment Battalion, and she had returned from Kuwait on March 31st, 2019, and she was killed on April 6th, one week after coming home. Oh, man. So he was charged with murder and threats of stalking. The soldier was found guilty and sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. So he's going to spend the rest of his life in jail. The hero here says, I don't consider myself a hero, but hero he is. I hope I am to my kids. So sad story out of the army. Another one. We've got, we've got, we've got. Another one. And when is enough enough, the Army? Are we going to have tomorrow, or when is enough enough? We've got to just get done with this Army-on-Army crime. I'm going to keep reporting on it as it keeps coming across my desk, but it's absolutely despicable, if you ask me, that we have to cover all of this Army-on-Army crime. I don't know. What do you guys think? Why is the Army its own worst enemy right now? What is going on in the Army? I've heard some people say before, because the Army will take anybody because they'll recruit anybody. But the Army is also looking to draw down its force to less than half a million members. So, I don't know. I don't know. It's just so crazy. Justin says, I dream of Japanese ramen. The food was so good there. The food is so good. It's so good. Would you guys like to see me eat Japanese ramen on the Scuttlebutt Show? I've been meaning to ask that question. Would you guys want to see me have a feast of Japanese food And I still owe you guys a Japanese or Okinawan alcohol episode, too. I know that. It's no surprise the Army wilded in, like, bologna before. (laughs) Damn, uh, you should make Scuttlebutt Show flags. I've been looking at Scuttlebutt Show posters. uh, So we're we're trying to to grow some of the merch there. Army always got the most insane stories. Let's see. Glad I'm not married. (laughs) 13 like a Bowie knife. Yeah. What the hell? Now it uh, surprises Army. It's still wild now. I hate when soldiers die out of combat at a welcome home party. I know. We've covered more stories of soldiers um, who, who have died while uh, at, at, just after coming home at their, at their celebrations. A lot of alcohol involved, a lot of tensions, a high possibility of domestic violence right when you come home from deployment. That's historically true. That's why the Navy Special Warfare 
uh, group started doing the decompression phase at the end of deployment where you would go and stay in Germany for a few days before you go home to, to soften that, that immediate like environment change that you go after deployment. Let's see. Damn, hit him with DJ Khaled. I had to. Less than half a million. Yeah, they're trying to draw down right now. Yes, I would like a scuttlebutt mukbang. Got it. Blindfolded with chopsticks. Okay. I'd love to see a scuttlebutt mukbang. What's your favorite sport? Demo says, that's a great question. Um, my favorite sport in high school was I was on the crew team and I rode crew. Uh, that was a lot of fun. As an post high school graduate, I didn't really, I played football in high school. I played basketball and I rode crew. I really liked rowing crew. Post high school, I didn't really play sports except for like intramurally. Um, I played tennis a few weeks ago. I really like that. Boxing is your favorite sport game, Hopes. That's an awesome sport to do. Um, we'll see some Japanese food reviewers. Only if it's a crazy spicy ramen, kind of like ramen version of Hot Ones. I'm such a baby with spicy food. <laughs> I'd want to see you watch anime episodes and eat ramen or soda or stuff like uh, Karagi, Doraki. Yeah, I can do that. Oh, Karagi's so good. Um, UFC. Bro, you bogus says, bro, you bogus. Welcome to the chat. I haven't seen you in here before. Um, there's uh, a lot of sports that I like to play. I think, though, to, to as an adult, my favorite sport, and you guys can roast me in the comments if you don't agree with this as a sport, but my favorite sport is CrossFit. So as an adult, as a, uh, you know, sports aren't really accessible to me anymore, team sports, except for intramural type stuff, my favorite sport is CrossFit. So if you guys have any questions about, you know, CrossFit, I'm a big proponent of it. I'm a big advocate of it. Let's see. Got to run. I do like to run a lot. Same. I'm such a child with a uh, spice single flake kills me. Um, I, there's some spicy ramens out here in Okinawa that I would love to try. I actually am curious about trying them. I thought it would be fun for content. Let's see. Game Home says, I love spice, hot sauce, peppers. Do I like baseball? No, I, I never really liked baseball. I never played it. I was never a huge baseball fan, anything like that. I'm sorry if that breaks hearts out there, but, uh, I was never big into baseball. I was waiting for the CrossFit answer. Yeah. If you guys have been following me on Instagram for a long time, uh, you guys saw I did the 420 burpee challenge a couple weeks ago. Me and Nuggets did it. And so, you know, I do love CrossFit. I do love CrossFit as a sport. I do consider it a sport. It has team and individual competition. I've competed in CrossFit. I love CrossFit. I, I recommend that if you are interested in a, in a well-rounded fitness program, it doesn't get better in CrossFit. Obviously, there are gaps, you know, like you won't become the best runner. You won't become the best whatever one thing. But if you want to be well-rounded, especially if you're prepping for the military, CrossFit's a great way to do it. Let's see. Make my own spicy garlic pickles. That sounds so good, actually, Jacob. That sounds so good. Um, to continue on with the show, because we got three stories left today. By the way, as a reminder, Super Chats, donations, Patreon, scuttlebuttshow.com, all of that. Have I ever done the Murph, Eric? I do it every year. I do the Murph every year, and I plan on doing it this year, too. So uh, I've been doing it every year since 2012. Speaking of, I talked with Bartlett yesterday. Oh, crazy. How's he doing? Uh, you know, he, he came over and worked with, uh, with me at, at, uh, SRT, but maybe I probably, uh, we can talk offline about that. So let's see, we've got a kind of a cool story here. As you guys know, last year in Okinawa, Japan, um, last year in Okinawa, Japan, I'm sorry, last year in Japan, the Olympic games were canceled due to COVID postponed. I should say to 2021. Well, 2021 is upon us. And the Olympics are scheduled to take place this summer in Tokyo. They are going down. And apparently, you can't go as a spectator. There's no international travel coming in to spectate for the Olympics. But it looks like they're actually happening. 
And it looks like they're actually happening because they've started the Olympic torch ceremony. They have started the torch ceremony and participating in the torch ceremony is a Navy Captain Brad Stallings. He's the former Sasebo Naval Base Commander. So he describes it as a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. The former commander of Sasebo Naval Base savored a rare opportunity Saturday as he helped run the Nagasaki Prefecture leg of the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Torch Relay. Captain Brad Stallings, who now serves as the U.S. Naval Forces Japan Chief of Staff, was nominated to be a torchbearer by Sasebo City one and a half years ago. Base spokesman Aki Nichols told Stars and Stripes on by phone Monday, the city wanted to recognize its relationship with the Navy. This was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, Stalling said in an interview with the Japanese broadcasting company NHK. Stalling said he was devastated when he thought the event would be canceled because of the COVID pandemic, and he was extremely grateful he got the rare opportunity to be an Olympic flame carrier. I felt a lot of pride, he told NHK. I was overwhel- it was overwhelming and one of the most positive experiences I've ever had. That's pretty cool. He joked that he was focused on not tripping when the lit torch with the lit torch in hand. Absolutely. Absolutely. Stallings traveled from Yakuska Naval Base to participate in the event and carried the flame alongside 15 other city reps. It was great to come back to Sasebo and see a lot of friendly faces, he said. Stallings, after three years, handed command of the Naval Base to Captain David Adams in September. His final year in charge was marked by a mission to keep the Naval Base and the ships of the amphibious ready group there free of the coronavirus. The theme for the Tokyo 2020 Olympic torch relay across Japan is hope lights our way. Hope lights our way. Torchbearers are running the flame by famous landmarks and sites that are favorites of the local population. The flame will pass near Marine Corps Air Station Iwakuni on May 13th, Misawa Air Base on June 11th, Yakuska uh, and Naval Air Facility Atsugi on June 29th, Yokota Air Base July 12th. Its journey will end in Shinjuku, Tokyo on July 23rd for the start of the summer games. That is so awesome. So if you're out here in Japan, you're at one of those bases, you can go see it. I am going to be up there in Tokyo in July, hopefully climbing Mount Fuji is a trip that we have planned for this summer. So hopefully I'll be climbing Mount Fuji around that time. Maybe I'll see the Olympic torch. They are keeping it the 2020 Olympic Games, and I actually support that decision because, well, obviously, they don't want to lose the billion dollars in merch that they already invested in. I even have some, my wife and I even have some uh, 2020 Tokyo Olympics merch that we bought before COVID started. And also in the calendar for history, it would look weird if you had the 2016, then the 2021 then the 2024. So there's still going to be a 2024 Olympics, a 2022 Winter Olympics and all that stuff. So I think it was a smart idea to continue calling it the 2020 Olympics. It just makes sense. And uh, to answer one question I just saw in the chat, they will be broadcasting it. Uh, Climbing Mount Fuji, gone, I'd say light mountain hiking. Good luck. Um, It's actually only a day hike. You know, it's up there in the altitude. You have to take oxygen, but it should be okay. It should be okay. I'm reading the comments right here. Let's see. What the hell is the Murph Nuggets? Oh, man. You're a Murph Nuggets. Ha. Nice, Justin. I was going to say I want to see you as a spectator, but no spectators. The Murph, you got to check it out. There's all kinds of content online about the Murph. Maybe I'll make a video this weekend. Let's see. I have more good news. You got an SR25 on order uh, from Knight's Armament directly at DOD price, 4200 Damn, that's expensive, Jacob. That's expensive, but that's awesome. Uh I know it's a weird time to be buying anything like that right now. It's a workout honoring Michael Murphy and everyone who died in Operation Red Wings. And everyone who died, it, it's it's a great way to to spend Memorial Day because you're going to be out there sweating, struggling, in pain, and at least you get to do it because you're alive, right? That's the whole idea. You get, you're lucky that you get to go do Murph on Memorial Day because so many people would love to be doing it, but they can't. So that's the whole point of Murph, if you ask me. It's 
you get out there and you sweat and you, you know, you work hard and you put that weight vest on and you're hurting and everything sucks, but you realize that you're lucky. It's a privilege to be able to do such a thing because we have the freedom to do it. We are still around to do it. It's a great time to be alive. Let's see. Uh, true. Once in a lifetime, uh, if he dropped the torch, whole different story focused on not tripping for sure. And yes, caught up on the comments. Okay. So, um, yeah. So anyway, long story short, I'll be out there doing the Murph. If you guys want to see a video on that, I'm, I can try to do one. I would need to find somebody. I would like to make it a thing if we're going to do Murph. So, um, there's obviously, you know, you can't, you can't go anywhere. You can't go on the internet right now for more than 10 seconds without seeing something about the border. At least that is for me. If I go on my Facebook, if I go on YouTube, news articles, news stories on Yahoo, everything popping up about the border. So I've, I, I don't really talk about it on this show unless it involves the military. And today a story popped up across my feed, across the desk of the Scuttlebutt show. And I do have a story about the military and about the border in a straight up, you know, loot crate type event going on here. Uh, a straight up call of duty war zone resupply ammo drop. We've got national guard soldier finds bag of guns at us Mexico border bag of guns. Ah, uh, go suck a bag of guns. A National Guard soldier deployed to the southern border found a bag of guns in Texas, U.S. Customs and Border Protection says. Is anybody else picturing like a hefty bag? When I when I hear like a bag of guns, I'm just thinking like a trash bag of guns or like a potato sack of guns. Last week, a soldier assigned to the Eagle Pass South Station, less than three miles from Mexico, discovered an abandoned black gym bag in tall grass. Border agents at the scene found eight AK-47 style pistols, you can see them here. They have no rear stock and 10 30-round magazines. Can't have those 30-round mags, telling you that. Four of the weapons had already been reported stolen. The Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and Explosives took custody of the bag's contents. So that means that some of these guns were from the United States and registered, and they were stolen. So that's an interesting fact to add into this story. This is the second time our agents encountered abandoned weapons and ammo in the area. Del Rio Sector Chief Patrol Agent Austin Scrow said in a, state, in a Friday, Friday statement, it's critical that our agents stay alert to all the threats and work with our partners to stop criminal organizations from entering our communities. And it's unclear what unit was involved in discovering the weapons. U.S. Customs Border Patrol agents did not respond for uh, requests for comments. So I didn't know this, but there are currently 3,800 National Guard troops deployed in the southern border. The Guard has a long history of assisting law enforcement along the U.S.-Mexico border in California, Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas, going back to the administration of George W. Bush and Barack Obama. Troops provide assist assistance with a range of tasks, including reconnaissance, air support, construction of border, infrastructure, and logistics. The, the border actually has a, its, whole its own whole dr drone program. They fly reconnaissance along the border, scouting, making sure they don't see any people crossing or what they're doing or getting an idea of how many people are aware and stuff like that. So that's uh, that was an interesting story, I thought. So shout out to the National Guard for finding a bag of guns on a border. I thought that was interesting. It's important to add in there, too, that uh, that some of those guns were from the United States and were reported stolen. I think that's interesting. Let's see. Oh, no, is we were talking about the new uh, Persia, Iran. Oh, or how about I, I, Israel, Palestine right now? I knew it was a gym bag because I would do the same. 
First show I can make in a long time. Happy to be here. What's up, Boomer? Long time no see. Hiram, what's up? Hiram dropping a, a comment. It's a it's a bag of guns comparable to a buttload. Yeah, it is a is a uh, a metric buttload of guns. I don't smuggle guns. Nuggets in. Let me guess. The ATF is going to now uh, use those for another failed sting. Um, I don't know what that's in reference to. What fail? I don't know. I don't know. I don't keep up on that stuff too much as what's going on with ATF. Um, so. It's always, it's always a great show when I get to do hometown hero stories. You guys know I love those. And we've got kind of a, fu- a funny one here as the last story of today. Um, so we're rolling into the last story of today. And this one kind of cracked me up. I mean, and you'll see why. It's not the story. The story is heartwarming. The story is nice. But a picture says a thousand words. And so when I heard about an airman in the Air Force who couldn't help himself in the middle of the night and had to get his his energy drink fixed, he ended up saving a life. So let's take a look at what happened here. This airman, pictured here, who looks like the biggest dirtbag in the entire Air Force, went in search of caffeine at 3 a.m., and he ended up saving a life instead. If you're listening on the podcast, let me describe to you what I'm seeing on my screen right now. An, An airman on the right giving an award, and an airman on the left with no military bearing, two sleeve tattoos, effectively, sleeves rolled up very, very poorly, very, very, very poorly. He's got his camo mask, which is cool. This guy just looks like a dirt bag. I mean, I don't know what else to tell you. He does not present well. He, he does not present well in uniform. What did I say the other day, you guys, are the three rules to success in the military? Be on time, do what you're told, and do you remember what it is? Look good in uniform. And this guy right here fails to look good in uniform, and this is the picture that they chose to publish on this article. Now, you take one look at this guy, and you know everything you need to know about why he needed an energy drink at 3 in the morning. Because he always needs an energy drink. In fact, right now, he's probably asking that person who's giving him the award if he can go take a cigarette break. He needs to go hit the smoke pit for sure. Like, I know this guy. He dips, drinks, crushes energy drinks, and, and smokes at the same time. All at the same time. But some of the best people I knew in the Navy were exactly the same way. In fact, I'm not so different myself. I mean, I don't smoke. I try to look good in uniform, but I love my energy drinks, and I love my drinks. So I don't hate on this guy too much because actions do speak louder than words and louder than pictures in this case because Tech Sergeant John Logan Westland was in the right place at the right time to help an airman in need while on his way to the store for a quick fix of caffeine. It was 3 a.m. at Joint Base Pearl Harbor, Hickam, Hawaii, and Westland was working a mid-shift. We call it mids or graveyard shift in the civilian world, as the article points out. A member of the 17th Operational Weather Squadron, Westland helps provide forecasts for the millions of square miles covered by U.S. Pacific Command. Very important job. You know... Basically, Westland helps provide forecasts for millions of square miles covered by the U.S. Pacific Command. But that night, Westland discovered a problem much closer to home when he went out to buy energy drinks from a convenience store. While out on a caffeine run, Westland noticed an airman sitting alongside outside, sitting alone outside a bus stop. Westland drove back to ask the airman if he was all right. The airman first said they were fine. Then I asked again and they said, you know what? I'm not okay. I'm not good. Excuse me. I'm not okay. I'm not good. And then they just collapsed on the ground, 
said Westland in a recent press release. I got out of the truck and walked out, walked around, and they were on the ground crying. That's when I called back here and talked to Tech Sergeant Zach Hargis. Hargis was the senior duty officer for Westland Squadron that evening. He met Westland and the airmen, and they agreed that the best thing to do would be to call the airmen's first sergeant. While not an official rank, first sergeant is a special duty for non-commissioned officers who airmen can talk to about readiness, health, morale, welfare, and quality of life issues. It's easy to consider the emergency room for, or mental health, but the shirt is more familiar with their people and they're always available to help, said Hargis, using a colloquial term, first sergeants, which is shirt, first shirt. Though the press release does not specify what date the incident occurred or what happened to the upset airman afterwards, it says that Westland was awarded the Diamond Sharp Award for exemplifying first sergeant traits and taking care of his fellow wingmen. For Westland, the episode was a reminder of how important it is for leaders to check on their people. I would say truly to get to know the people in your squadron and then try to notice them. And when things are different, he said, this time it just happened to be someone I've never met. It also shows that sometimes good things can happen even during an energy drink run in the middle of the night if you keep an eye out for them. So I want to give a shout out to uh, Tech Sergeant Westland for going out and uh, helping this kid out who needed some help. He was out there, obviously depressed. He put himself out in the public and somebody came up and said, hey, do you need help? How can I help? And they took care of it. So I'm proud of this dude. Good job for him. Um, good job to him. Bravo Zulu to him. And just out to you guys. I want to let you know if you've got, I want to let you know if you've got a buddy out there who you think might be going through some stuff or is acting kind of weird. It's always okay to ask, Hey, are you okay? How are you doing? Just asking that question can sometimes make all the difference. Sometimes people just need to hear it and they're, they're too afraid to ask or they're too proud to ask or something like that. So go out, check on your buddies, check on your battle buddies. If there's somebody you haven't talked to in a long time, maybe shoot them a text and just say, Hey, how are you doing? How's life? You know, it'd be, it's always nice to get a text from an old friend. So if there's somebody out there that you're thinking of that comes to mind, go ahead and shoot them a text. And if it's you, I hope somebody reaches out to you soon. And you can always reach out to me on here, on any of the socials at thescuttlebushshowgmail.com. You guys know where to find me. All my contact info is up here. So should be no problem. Uh, let me catch up on the comments really quick. Operation Fast and Furious. I actually don't know much about that. I should probably educate myself on Operation Fast and Furious. Anything I say about it, would probably be uh, lacking substance and would be not very smart of me to do. Hometown hero siblings are awesome. See, poor caffeine habits of drinking at 3 a.m. do save lives. Ha. Don't judge a book by the cover. Kyle goes and saves life. Yes, Airman Kyle. Kill Cliff is my favorite. Justin says, Kill Cliff, a very tasty energy drink with just the right amount of caffeine made by Navy SEALs. How can you go wrong? That's like me. I couldn't roll sleeves to save the world. Puny THX 1138 looking biceps don't help me either. Ha. Uh, we need to show credit for those mo uh, morale mental heroes. Yeah. Yes. Like I said, enlisted Air Force ranks can be confusing. They've got a lot of pay grades with more than one rank. I also think that looking at this picture, they identify this guy as Tech Sergeant John Logan Westland. But I'm looking at the picture right here and he looks like a, an Airman First Class or something. I think that's me. That's a me in that situation. Game hopes. I'm here for you, bud. Um Charles says, hey, bro, before you play Arma, subscribe to a little mod in the workshop called JSRS Blast Core Soundscape. Highly recommend mods to run for audio reasons. Okay, I'll check it out. Hiram says, Navy also combines alphanumeric jobs with enlisted ranks. Uh, yes, like PO3, PO2. What do you think about Hamas and Israel relations currently, Rambo says? That's a good question. I've been actually looking up a little bit of what's going on. And I was wondering if anybody was going to ask me that on the show today. And so here's what I think about it. I think it's sad that innocent people are getting killed over a turf war based on thousands year old grudges. 
it's time we move on from this shit. That's what I think about it. So I think it breaks my heart that innocent people on both sides are losing their lives right now across a border disputed for since the beginning of mankind. Can we get over this? Can we, is, there's, is there not a resolution we can come to? Those two need to figure it out. And I feel bad for the people caught in the middle of that battle. I do. I feel really bad. So that's what I think about it. It's, it's nothing new. It is nothing new. It's been going on since long before we were born. It'll probably be going on long after we're gone. I'm not naive enough to think that that stuff's all going to, you know, iron itself out in, uh, in our lifetime. So we've had these conflicts and wars going on in the Middle East over all kinds of stuff for all kinds of a long time. And it just, I feel bad for the innocent people out there. That's what I think about it. I feel bad for the innocent people out there losing their lives right now in those buildings that are getting destroyed in those rocket attacks. I feel bad for people living in Israel and Palestine when those alarms go off and they have to take cover for incoming. There's civilians, something we're lucky we don't have to deal with in America. And I hope we never do. That's what I think about it. Learning about Palestine in school as in like, as a new unit, like today, we got to move past uh, beliefs and enforce peace. It's actually the future. Can we solve this? Yeah, we're li- we are living in the future. We are living in the future. And you know how I know we're living in the future? This is, this is a side note. The way that I know that we are actually living in the future, like now is the future. The future is not coming. We are now living in the future. Here's how I know. I have a one wheel. Do you guys know what a one wheel is? I can, uh, let's see, how can I show you? Um, I kind of, I kind of screwed up a little bit and I prematurely closed my browser window. So give me one second here. I'm going to, I'm going to explain to you how I know we're living in the future. And then you guys can come watch me play Arma after that. So check this out. Check this out. Nope. Uh, oops. That's not what I want to do. Hang on one second. I got this. I got this. Bear with me, guys. I got this. So, I just need to focus on this for one second. All right. So, this is a one wheel. Okay. You can see it on the screen right here. And I have these. My wife and I actually have these. And we, we drive these things around in Okinawa. And the way that I know that we're living in the future is... When we're out there driving these around, no one cares. It's not that we have these. It's that no one cares. We ride these things around and people are like, it's just a new thing. People could, somebody could literally teleport into a room right now next to me. And I'd be like, I guess that's a thing now. I wouldn't be surprised by anything. The fact that we are not surprised by anything, that literally anything could happen and I'll just accept it whatever, I don't even care, is the fact, is how you know we're living in the future. We have totally lost our astonishment. We have totally lost our awe, our sense, our, our actual sense of the awesome is gone. It's just, everything just kind of is, and it's expected to be. Like it's, it's, I expect to be teleporting places. Like, why am I not teleporting? Fix it. Why is my Amazon shipment not here yet? Fix it. Like it just is, that way now. Like that just is reality. That's the future is we've totally accepted that everything is just happening and we don't even care. So that's my, that's my, uh, my ethereal moment there with you guys for that. So I'm glad we could end the show on that. That was kind of fun. So that's how I know we're living in the future. 
Let's see, from Israel to one wheels, oh, I know what you mean, one wheels look neato. This is so true. Let's see, times are flying, fellas. So I'm going to tune off the show now, and I'm going to go take care of these doggos. We're getting uh, our, our, our dog that we've been dog-sitting. He's going back to his owner today. That'll be kind of a relief, to be completely honest, and we'll be down to one dog again, which is nice. Um, and after I'm done doing that, I'm going to be launching Arma 3. I'm going to try to figure out what Charles said. I have no idea. I'm going to try to figure it out, Charles. I have no idea. What, I, I read it but I don't get it necessarily. And in the meantime, if you guys want to click that link in the description down below for scuttlebuttshow.com and check out all the merch that we've got, that would be pretty awesome. Uh, even if you don't buy any, I just want to check it out. And so uh, with all that being said, thank you guys for joining me today. Thanks for the feedback on the uh, new stream setup. I hope you guys are digging it and I'm going to fix it so I'm not looking off screen when I'm doing articles and stuff. So check it out. I'll talk to you guys in a few minutes. I look forward to talking to you soon. I am out for now.